Hey, I want to talk real estate because you want to put your money somewhere. I think always real estate, real estate. I like to buy buildings. I like to buy farmland. I like to buy a lot of different stuff. And I've been doing more commercial real estate. With all the tax changes going on and everything else, I thought it was a good time to talk to David Kessler. Manages He's the managing partner of Cone Resnick's real estate industry practice right there in Washington, D.C. And it was a great conversation. I really liked this conversation. Real good guy to get to know. Just a real easy conversation. Uh, he represents developers, private equity funds, institutional investors like life insurance companies, pension funds. We're talking about big money. So we get down and dirty and we start talking about what's good, what's not. And we really start talking about the old becoming new, which is really making it look old. So listen in and get the rest of it so you know what I'm talking about. And I don't want you to forget that I want to talk about Elytra Health. Now, this is the Manhattan Center for Life and Longevity. Now, why is that important? It's about the future of preventative medicine, and they are ready to see you now. Okay, look, this isn't like some other medical exam. These guys are doing everything to make sure that you have life-saving preventative testing. So you go in, you spend the day with them, at the end of the day, all under one roof and like one of the most stunning spa-like environments imaginable. I've been there. I've done this. And you you get all of your results a day. No talking, no tracking down, no trying to find out, oh my gosh, what's this on my skin? What's this? What might I have? Um, you know, what's this little bump in the night, so to speak, you know, in your life? You get it all right there. So call or visit elitrahealth.com and schedule your appointment today. All right? Elitra, E-L-I-T-R-A, health.com. Uh, you tell them that Jeff Hazel sent you. So welcome to the show, David. Let's talk a little real estate. From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, my first question is, how big is the commercial real estate industry? I mean, it's it's got to be is it the single biggest driver of the U.S. economy? Commercial real estate industry is a huge driver of the economy, not only with the amount of jobs that are with um, users of real estate, but also the uh, construction industry as well. So it's it's one of the bigger drivers. So when you're touching stuff, are you dealing, you know, in your practice that you guys do and what you do, are you just dealing with just the stuff that's already been built, or are you dealing with new projects as well? Now, our practice, fortunately, we deal with both new projects as well as stuff that's already built. And we're um, mainly throughout the U.S., and we deal with every different property type, and we deal with participants all through the capital stack. So developers, uh, private equity investors, institutional investors, owner-operators, and construction companies as well. Mm-hmm. And and what's the let me just ask you that what's the you know because I've got family that's been in real estate for years mostly in the residential but but a lot of commercial stuff I have commercial property I own what's the what's the pieces of it that you like the most the pieces I like the most really is either repurposing an existing property or something that has so much 
you know, value and, and hipness and coolness that it's going to, it's going to reshape a community. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that are, that are most exciting to me. So like, what, what's that? What is the second part of that about being cool and hip? I was talking to the guys from um, Howard Hughes's company. They got a big real estate development company out of Dallas and they're building entire, yeah. by entire communities, you know? Yeah. Is that what you're talking exactly. about? Something like that? Um, um, we work with um, Howard Hughes Corp, and that's a perfect example where they will reshape an entire community, or they'll take an existing community, and that's you know thrived, and they will add components to it, and and shift it, and reshape it, and add residential and office, and change things. I, I really like the you know urban uh, infill regentrification. Um, you know, really just changing an area that's been underused, underserved, and, you know, creating um, the, the mixed use live, work, play, where you'll have um, a, a, a hip, cool apartment building for uh, younger folks, an elderly building, a hotel, a grocery store, and an office building, you know, all within the same uh, block that just really, you know, lives and feeds off um, each other as well as the existing uh, area. So you look at these communities, and to me, they're really cool. You, you know, you've got that residential above, you got the real estate or the commercial below. It could be a, well, in New York, we'd call it a bodega, but, you know, it could be like a 7-Eleven or a little store mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Some retail operation of some kind. And mm-hmm. usually some kind of, you got to have food, you got to have all the necessary resources to, to have the community. Why did it take us so long to get to those things? Yeah, it's fascinating. It's a great question. And, you know, now um, it's, it's, it's commonplace. You know, when you see a new apartment building go up, so often you're finding a lead grocery store mm-hmm. going into the apartment building and it enhances the, the value of the, of the rental operations and the rental operations enhances the value of the grocery store. And it used to be you were either a retail guy or you were an apartment guy. And if you had a, a, a retail site in the apartment building, um, you know, like you said, maybe it was a convenience store. It was an afterthought. Um, you know, it, it's not the best use for a residential units. So we'll slap some retail in there. And now it's become part of the strategy. And, you know, I think it took so long because, you know, folks were so specialized in their in their component and you really didn't have these these master plans. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of it had to do with zoning. You know, this area is zoned for retail, strip center, a mall. This is for office and this is for residential. And I think now we're finding that there's a lot of uh, even in the suburban markets or excerpts close in suburban markets. Uh, there's more of a desire to um, have a live, work, play, create a live, work, play. And, you know, we're seeing that done with, um, you know, existing shopping malls that are thriving and hotel and residential mm. is being added um, adjacent to the mall um, with a little um, courtyard area for uh, pedestrian traffic to create more of a um, you know, city feel. Yeah. Well, and they're creating cities. I mean, in some cases you go to some of these new developments and I'm trying to, you know, especially I see a lot of them in Texas for some reason, I don't know mm-hmm. if it's because Texas has so much space, but uh, where they actually just reinvent a whole city, 
or, you know, and it's a whole neighborhood, right? Absolutely. See, seeing it all, all across America, um, you know, major cities and, you know, various different cities are on different trajectories as to how far they've come. You know, but you look at like a Washington, D.C., um, where so many different submarkets are now just just blowing up with um, you know, a mixed use environment. Well, look at the harbor area across the across the river from you there, right? It, exactly. You've got the harbor harbor area, the the ballpark area, and then you've got other corridors, you know, Northeast 8th Street, um, 14th Street, um, and you, where, you know, it started with maybe some, um, you know, low rent um, artisan stores, some funky restaurants, um, condo uh, conversions, hip cool, and then it became institutionalized you know, over a period of, you know, a relatively short period, you know, say just like um, six or eight years to where it almost feels like a suburban area when 10 years ago, it was what you would consider blighted and unsafe to walk down the street. So, you know, that that to me is is is, is really cool. It's a great use of, um, of of space. Well, let me take a quick break and then I want to come back and I got a lot more questions. This is a fun conversation for me because it's like taking the old, and making it new, uh, but making it look old. You know, so it's kind of, kind of, you know, kind of cool. So I want to talk about Liberty Tax because it's never too start to start thinking about tax season. You know, it's a few months away into the year here for all of us. Uh, the new year um, is now here. We're in it, you know. So the folks at Liberty Tax Services, uh, Sempre Tax, uh, that's the folks that uh, are doing his, the Hispanic market, are open year-round to help your community uh, do all the taxes and other services. They got they got rotary, uh, notary services. They got faxing, translations, car insurance. They got so much more. And they're a great year-round resource for everyone. So uh, the Sempre Tax, especially for the Latino Hisp- Hispanic communities, uh, you need to go out and visit them. So go to Sempre Tax, S-I-E-M-P-R-E Tax, dot com and check them out because they're really good guys. So let me ask a big question, David. Did it? Did part of this, you know, have to come about not just through education? I, I'm thinking about how complicated this was. You had to have education, then you had to have the you know non-specialized market, so people had to think big. Then you had to get the zoning changed because now it was a mall before. Now it's got to be multi multi-zone, multi-residential, you know, different use, mixed use. But it, it, did it really just take big money to come in here? Because it seems to me that's what's been the bigger driving force of these, um, you know, rebirth communities. Is it the big money and you can only do it through big money? Um, you, you know, you're right. And, and, and that's one of the factors that has been fueling a significant amount of growth within real estate is the amount of sheer capital that is coming in and investing in real estate. And there's so much capital, even still, that's on the sidelines, what we consider dry powder, capital that's been committed for investment and just looking for a home. And some of why we see that is, you know, number one, after the recession, and continuing today, there is an amazing break in interest rates. Interest mm-hmm. rates have yeah. never been this low. Yeah. Um, number two, there's a lot of foreign capital that's coming into the into the U.S. market, and largely that's due to 
the investors look at the U.S. as a safe haven, right. uh, very stabilized economy um, where, you know, there's negative interest rates in, in some economies getting a um, three or four percent return on a stabilized class A asset, you know, on Maine and Maine is a very attractive return. So the amount of capital that's coming in is, is fueling a lot of this development. Um, and it does take big dollars. You know, what we've seen is, um, you know, hundred to, you know, billion dollar deals that are being done, transforming these areas. And, uh, it not only does it take a lot of capital, but you're right. It takes a lot of expertise with zoning, with development, with construction, um, with leasing and, you know, all, all of that has been, you know, a tremendous benefit from the, the sheer amount of capital. The other thing is, you know, pension funds and endowments, family offices, um, the real estate sector has performed uh, very well as a whole compared to other sectors. Yeah. And when you take pension funds with enormous obligations, uh, growing obligations, they're very much allocated through different sectors. And you know, when the stock market is doing very well, that's going to shift their allocation to put more capital to the real estate sector. Um, so there's shifts in allocation as well, but definitely a benefit of the amount of capital. So you mentioned you mentioned a term that I that I don't know that I know, and it said you said infill. What's infill mean? Um, well, infill, urban infill um, would be a an, an urban area that's you know. Uh, densely populated, um, thriving, uh, and there are pockets of uh, properties or land within those areas um, that can be uh, built up. Um, you know, so you could even have a, 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 a whole block that's surrounded by, um, you know, an, an existing um, heavily populated area. So that's a very, that's a very, um, I would say, attractive form of investment because you have an existing population and user base. So it's like the stuff you're seeing in DC or let's say New York. Like I, I think yep. there's Hudson Yards would be a, probably a good example of that. Yep. Yeah, a absolutely. And, and you see, and you see a lot in, uh, in the major markets, uh, Boston, for example, Oh, sure. um, ne never been more development right now in, in Boston um, than, than uh, in, in the past. It's just thriving um, with office with industrial, um, with multifamily, um, as well as hospitality and, and hotel. Does this surprise you sometimes? I mean, like you've been in this business for a while, um, mm -hmm. I, I can tell, and obviously very knowledgeable. You guys, uh, Cohen, Resnick, very big. And by the way, I mentioned Hughes. Are they a competitor of yours? Um, oh, no, no. Oh. We, we, we do some work with them. We, okay. we've, we've been um, fortunate to do work on their uh, Columbia, Maryland, uh, project. Okay. So after I mentioned, I went, uh Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that for you, <laughs> no, <laughs> but, no, but I'm known not. just to ask questions and, uh, I'm sorry, you know, but there we go. Uh, I, I you know, is it surprise you though, that sometimes you think, my gosh, you look around New York, you look around Washington, DC, it's all built out. What the heck can we rebuild or, or build again or build over it or build around it? it does it does it surprise you when you see some of these projects? You go like, oh my god, I never thought of that. Um, you know, it, it is interesting. I, I, I do get surprised by by a lot of the the things that I see. Um, you know, and then I, I, I stop and I think it, it's surprising, but it it seems so obvious. 
Yeah. Um, it's like know, a, that, it's a, like a duh. Why didn't we think yeah. of that sometimes? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, particularly with, with the mixed use stuff, you know, where mm-hmm. you see, um, you know, there, there's, there's a project that we worked on um, that consists of an underground parking garage. Um, and then on either side of the street, there is um, retail on the bottom and one tower is uh, luxury apartments and the other is luxury condos. Mm. Um, and uh, you have probably five restaurants uh, and several other retail um, stores on, on the ground floor. And it's in an in a area that is, is thriving, has been thriving, and something like that, you know, it seems obvious. It's repurposing an existing pro, uh, you know, property to, to the highest and best use. And, you know, I think we're going to continue to see more uh, walkable environments. You know, nowadays, um, the Urban Land Institute has a walkability score for every major city. Um, and, you know, that score is something that is taken very seriously uh, by users, by, you know, folks that want to live or work in a particular area. And um, you know, I think we're going to see more desire for, for walkability now that, you know, it, it's difficult to get around in certain areas. You know, people are driving. Yeah, we just want to, it, it, we want to be real neighborhoods and real communities. I think that's a, there's a big, big thing. I, I live out in, of course, in South Dakota, we, we don't get to have that because, we live way right. out, you know, way out in the right. country. We don't build up; we build out, and we're building far away. But, but let me ask you a question. You you said something, and I don't mean to be negative, but is it you said luxury? Okay, mm-hmm. and a lot of these things are being redone. And I look around New York here, and as I'm working in my office, I look around. There's this luxury place, this luxury place, and I don't know yeah. how how a normal family can afford it. Are is this just a rich person's game now? You know, it's a problem, and it's a problem that. There are a lot of um, uh, folks that are trying to address, and it needs to be addressed. And when you have gentrification and you have areas that were uh, not as popular becoming much more popular and high end, then you need to find a place where people can live affordably. Mm-hmm. and you know, one of the things that we're seeing is now there's a lot more attention being placed on what's known as workforce housing. Um, and, you know, workforce housing is housing for people, you know, with um, regular jobs that aren't super ultra rich and wealthy, but, you know, they, they, they make a decent wage and they need an affordable place to live. So when the luxury building is, is being built, and, you know, rents are $3,000 a month, you know, you have a lot of people in the community that can't afford that. And there is a lot of focus now on preserving affordable housing, uh, creating workforce housing. Um, some of it's being done through uh, government assisted programs, and some of it is being done through private capital that is, is, is looking for uh, reasonable returns to uh, create and maintain decent, affordable housing. Um, the other thing is through construction. Um, you know, construction prices continue to go up and up and up. And there are techniques that utilize manufacturing, uh, manufactured housing 
for multifamily apartments mm-hmm. uh, and condos, you know, and, and that's something that's happening in other parts of the world in, in Europe that uh, we've been slow to adapt to that we're just now starting to see. And, you know, that's something that's very positive. It's efficient. It's a little more uh, easier to um, construct. And green, and a little bit greener to some extent, even though they're using existing, you know, it, we, we did an interview here with the guys that are doing uh, container homes, container offices, container, they're using old uh, shipping containers. Great example. Yeah. Re- repurposing it. It's like really cool. I'm thinking, oh, geez, I need one of those up my place. Yeah. I can have that for yeah. like a little cabin instead. But The other thing that we're seeing is a lot of uh, repurposing of existing property. You know, uh, Jeff, that's one of the things that also creates challenges is office buildings, you know, that were built 40 years ago uh, are somewhat obsolete. You've got a big um, center core. Um, you've got um, uh, less energy efficiency, and it's not necessarily what users want now with big open floor plans and um, efficiencies. And some of those old properties are being converted to hotels, to apartments. Um, so we're seeing a lot of new product come on, not necessarily because the demand is so much greater, but because the needs are so much different. Yeah. And that creates a lot of obsolete um, property that, that, that somebody needs to figure out or, or, or tear down and do something, um, do something else with it. Well, it could be a gift. And speaking of gifts, let me take another break. And I'll talk about my friends at Giftograms because, you know, I, I send gifts. I know we just, uh, you know, we had Christmas. And uh, the holidays and, you know, we send gifts and sending someone the right gift is always hard. But finding a meaningful gift is even harder. Uh, But, hey, not anymore because I use uh, Giftogram. So our friends at Giftogram have made giving of gifts easy because they search high and low for the most thoughtful gifts so that you don't have to. So and I hate just giving gift cards. So what I do is I give something better than a gift card. I give a Giftogram. So gift cards be damned because. Here's what you do. You just go on, you download the Giftogram app, and you start gifting. And if you use the promo code All Business, you receive twenty dollars off your first gift. And what you do is you pick out a, a dollar volume, or you can actually pick the gift if you really like, and you just send it to them and say, "Here's your gift. Pick it out." Or here is your gift, and I pick it for you. And uh, and then I just I can ship it to you. And they have corporate gifting. They have everything. So I can go in there and you know send it to a hundred of my best customers if I want to do that. So check them out. Gift a gram, download the app. I use it all the time. And don't forget to use the promo code all business. So let me ask again on that. I'm going to get back to more defining uh, what they call CRE, you know. So what does CRE encompass commercial real estate? What, what do you include in that? Because it sounds like everything under the sun. Yeah, commercial real estate is, um, you know, fairly all encompassing from a from a property sector. Um, there are. Uh, you know, four segments that are that are generally considered um, when we talk about um, uh, commercial real estate, and that's industrial, office, retail, multifamily, and then a fifth category is usually hotel and hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, so those generally are the five sectors of commercial real estate. And then, believe it or not, there's a lot of subsets of commercial real estate, which could be student housing which we're seeing a tremendous boom in student housing, military housing, uh, assisted living, mobile home parks, land and home building, um, et cetera. There's still new mobile home parks being put up? 
Um, you know, it's amazing. In certain parts of the country, there are mobile home parks, and um, some are vacation-oriented mm-hmm. mobile home parks that are in, um, you know, on the beach and in beautiful areas. Um, and others are, um, you know, uh, living everyday uh, developments. Um, yeah. So yeah. So people still buying these condominiums, I call them condominiums. Yeah, condominiums yeah. indeed. Is there, what, what's the hottest uh, CRE area? What's the hottest commercial real estate area, you think? Um, you know, I think it might surprise you, but, you know, the hottest sector right now is industrial. Um, industrial has had the highest returns from an institutional investment standpoint um, over uh, the last year. And it, it, it's hot in that it's really, really changing. And it's changing because of the, um, uh, you know, online shopping craze mm-hmm. and the the shift in retail. Now, um, you know, still the in-store retail sales far outsurpass any any online sales statistics. But so many of us use some component of uh, online sales and the logistics that are involved in both the online sales and bricks and mortar sales have changed and that's changed the industrial segment which used to be a mom and pop oriented industry and it's become institutionalized um you now have multi-million square foot uh logistics centers you now have mixed use industrial centers where there's offices and uh, and restaurants. Yeah, and, you got to have the restaurants. Otherwise, you, you're yeah. sending everybody out to eat, and you know we just eat out more often. Everybody does. I mean, exactly. So you know, I I I think you're seeing a bit a big shift in industrial. You're seeing a big shift in retail. Um, you have the the what we call the haves and the have-nots. The malls that are extremely successful, um, continuing to uh, draw retailers and customers and then you have those that are um just just failing throughout the country uh where the population just can't support two or three malls anymore so one of them is going to fail and you have folks that are coming in and trying to you know reposition that and then you have retailers that have started out as only online retailers that are now finding it's nice to have a storefront and they're putting up storefronts in some of the major cities to augment the online experience. And then you have traditional retailers that are creating online uh, platforms so that they can have a multi-channel process, you know, order something online at Macy's and either pick it up at the store or have it shipped to your house. If you have it shipped to your house, just walk to any store and return it. So you're kind of, um, or a locker, put it in, in, in a lot of places, lockers or whatever, you know, it's a, and then I got to imagine with the industrial, there's just the, the way that we, you'd build a building 20 years ago is totally different than the way you'd build that building today. And, uh, you know, catching, you know, rain drop off, you know, uh, rain for water drop offs. You could repurpose the water. I mean, all mm-hmm. kinds of just different things that we wouldn't have thought of quite frankly, 20, 30 years ago. And now we're a little bit smarter about the way we're doing it. Are are there other countries doing it better than we are? You know, there are, we're learning a lot from other countries. I think one of the things that creates, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, slowness in our ability to, you know, shift our thinking is um, regulatory uh, processes 
a, a an attention to uh, you know bottom line profits versus you know long term um, uh, you know stability or the, or the greater good you know so you know we, we are um, slower in certain areas you know we're we're, we're starting to use um, solar a lot more on some of these industrial properties um, you know I mentioned the uh, manufactured housing uh, that's something that we're starting to do a lot more of that has been done uh, in a big way in other in other areas about for, I want for, let me ask you about the foreign money for a second I, yeah. I, I'm worried about their time and I want to get every question I can jump in here <clears throat> where's where's the biggest money coming from it's to, to me it's got to be China yeah you see um, uh, an enormous amount of capital coming from China from Korea um, Canada is a huge investment investor mm-hmm. well that makes sense I mean they're they're like our neighbor certainly our neighbor to the north it's like America's hat. I always like joke about them, but the, yeah. Uh, but but is it bad to have that much foreign investment? You know, I don't. I don't think it's bad. I think um, it, it's fueling a lot of the development and a lot of the the U.S. economy. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of um, you know rules and regulations uh, with uh, the foreign capital coming in, and there's complexities with the structures of the transactions. Um, you know, we might see some, uh, relief in some of that, but, uh, you know, they, they look at the, to the U S as, as a stable market, as, as we discussed. And, you know, I think it does, it does create a lot of opportunity for, uh, new development and jobs. Yeah. So what about the, the regular investor? Let's say just the person that's sitting here listening right now, they don't have billions or millions to invest. What about them? Is there crowdfunding? Is there a way for regular investors to invest in commercial real estate? Yeah, it's a great question, and and there and there is, and I think over the last um, you know five or six years, the um, real estate investment returns have been very good, and the fundamentals have been very good with real estate rental income and demand, and investors have easy access now to investing in real estate. Through crowdfunding, indeed, there's several crowdfunders that have opportunities either on a deal by deal, uh, this particular apartment building in this location, this hotel in this location, and also they've established funds where you can invest in the fund to create diversity, where that fund is investing in multiple different types of property in multiple locations with multiple different developers and sponsors. So. Crowdfunding is an opportunity, and it's a relatively low cost, low load way to do that. Um, other opportunities um, are um, through broker dealer networks um, or just through your local community. Um, your your banker uh, probably knows of many different projects that they're funding, and you would have an opportunity to invest directly uh, with a sponsor in a particular project. Um, I think you know it's very very important to uh, underwrite the sponsor as well as underwriting the particular piece of real estate because you want to work with experienced people. Yeah, and I think always a good good advice for you is to do things you like, and you kind of you, you you feel comfortable about. If you don't like it, don't don't. If you don't know it, don't get in it. That's one of the things I think would be important. And you got you, are you guys only doing real estate? You're not. You do everything. You got financial services across the board, right? Yeah, we do. We do. We work in a number of different industries. We work in, in financial services. We work in manufacturing, distribution, retail, government contracting. 
uh, restaurant hospitality. Um, I mentioned construction, uh, nonprofits, um, and then entertainment. So we do work in a number of different industries. Well, David, it's been a pleasure, and I thank you for being a part of All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Jeffrey, my pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. Hey, I got to tell you, I am loving my newest all-business sponsor. Now, you can't see it, but these guys make me look good. I shouldn't say guys, guys, gals, everybody. And I'm talking about in Stitch U. In Stitch U. Specialized, custom-tailored menswear for the modern gentleman. That's who I am, modern gentleman. So a little bit of country, a little bit of city. See, they take my measurements, and they're saved online profile, and they make reordering a breeze. So I got these, I just got six custom-made shirts. And I liked them so much, I reordered them. I ordered them different colors this time. And uh, boom, I get them right back. And they give me the perfect fit guarantee. That's right. Every order is covered by the perfect fit guarantee. That means they will alter the, the garment, remake it for you, refund it, uh, purchase in full, whatever. This means you have nothing to lose, okay? You can choose from all kinds of patterns and styles. They've got custom suits that start at $499. they got shirts that start at $89. Custom Custom. Did you hear me? Custom. So if you're a big guy like me, the button's not in the wrong place. I don't look like I'm a 70s, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I can't even say it. I don't look like a bad guy. I look like a good guy because everything's right. So I never will buy off the rack again. OK, so vi- visit Institute, I-N-T-S-T-I-T-C-H-U dot com and start looking better today. I know I am looking better. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about the things that I have learned. And what did I learn? I learned that the old is new to make it look old again. I thought that was pretty good. It's interesting how you can look at something and then after it's being done, like the stuff that's going on in the Hudson Yards, the stuff that the uh, we talked about with David that they're doing or the guys down in uh, Hughes Corporation are redoing, making these all new communities and making them look old but new and new but old it's just really kind of cool to watch this kind of stuff happen and then when you see it all done you go like duh why 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 you know it's like whoa whoa hit you in the head and so it's every once in a while it's good to have that happen and the other thing did you hear that one word he used or phrase the capital stack i like that think about how you use that in the next time you're in a conversation you want to impress somebody uh you know our capital stack you know that'd be kind of cool anyway that's enough for today Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to tell your friends. I appreciate that so much because without you, we don't have anything because you are my friends and you are the listeners and we do everything for you. And I appreciate it. You make everything uh, so much better. So don't forget to tell your friends about All Business with Jeffrey Hazel right here on C-Suite Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.